Okay, so why don't we begin with uh, a sitting. Um, so please get into a comfortable position. So we'll be sitting for about 25 to 30 minutes. And I'd like to begin tonight's sitting with a bit of um, deep relaxation breathing. So just breathe deeply in through the nose, feeling your entire body fill up with air, nice and slow and deep. And exhale slowly through your slightly open mouth almost as if you are breathing out through a straw, letting the breath leave your body nice and slow. And just continue breathing in and out in this way, in through the nose and out through your slightly open mouth. As you breathe in, you might visualize oxygen just circling throughout your whole body. Just filling, filling yourself up with air. And as you exhale, silently say to yourself, relax and feel the tensions, stresses of the day releasing, letting go. And now let your mouth come to a close and the breath move in and out through your nose. And now let the breath just breathe itself at its own rhythm, no longer elongating the breath intentionally, but just letting it find its own pace and depth.
Now please bring your awareness to the tip of your nose, to the very end of your nostrils and park your awareness there, the place where air enters and exits the body. Just let your awareness rest in the sensations produced by the breath as it passes over the soft tissue inside the very tip of your nose. Feeling its coolness as it enters the body and how it's slightly warmer when you breathe it out. And when your awareness is pulled elsewhere by thoughts or feelings or other kinds of distractions, just gently bring it back to the inside of the nose and to the sensations of the breath. And remember that we're not manipulating or controlling the breath. As much as possible, we're letting the breath breathe itself, letting go of the desire we so often have to keep a hold of the breath, control it in some subtle way. In particular, pay attention to the end of each exhalation and really follow the sensations all the way to the point where your exhalation ends and there is a brief pause before the body naturally begins the next inhalation. Sometimes people prematurely begin breathing in as if they feel like they need to take control of the breath at that moment. And so just let the breath fully leave the body. Attend to the sensations, the very end of each out-breath.
Now let your awareness move down to the center of your chest, the sternum, breastbone area. And just as we were doing with the nose, just feel the sensations here in the center of the chest that are associated with the breath. You may sense hardness, tension, tenderness, rawness, or an openness and warmth. Just notice how it feels and notice how the sensations change subtly throughout the course of each in-breath and out-breath. If it is tight and tense, let it be so. Try not to meet force with force, tension with more tension. But rather, if you encounter tension, let your awareness be soft, accepting, holding the tension you encounter with an open hand, letting it be just as it is. And now please bring your awareness further down into the belly and feel the sensations in the belly that are associated with the breath. For some of you, the belly will not move much at all. For others, the belly will move quite a bit with each breath. And as ever, there is no right or wrong, no way it should feel. Just notice how it feels. And as we did with the chest, if you encounter tension, holding in the belly, instead of forcibly trying to relax the belly, trying to force air down into the belly, instead soften your awareness around whatever you find and let it be as it is.
Now please let your awareness open up enough so that you can feel the breath in the nose, the center of the chest, and in the belly all at once. You may need to let your awareness move from spot to spot, nose, chest, and belly. You may not be able to hold all three spots in awareness simultaneously, but once in a while, see if you can feel the breath in all three spots at the same time. Feel the entire course of the breath in, to, and out of the body. Now, while you continue following the breath, the nose, the chest, and the belly, please make room in your awareness for the sounds in the space around you. The sound of my voice, the sound of whatever's going around, going on in the room around you perhaps outside your house. And perhaps one of the things you will be able to hear is the sound of your breath in your throat or in your chest or in your nose. So you can follow the breath, not just as physical sensations, but as a part of the soundscape of the present moment. And finally, continuing to follow the breath and listen to sounds, 
Please include in your awareness now the sensations in your hands. If it's difficult holding all three anchors in your mind at once, move gently and gradually between them, perhaps even saying to yourself, breath, and then sounds, and then hands as a kind of mantra, letting your awareness move between these three anchors. Breath, sounds, and hands. And as you continue to use these three anchors to stay grounded in the present moment in your body and in 
in the present. Take note of what pulls you away, because of course, repeatedly, the mind will pull you away. What kinds of thoughts come up? What kinds of emotions come up that block or occlude your access to the present? That close your ears to the sounds around you? That blur your awareness of the breath or the body? Take note of what pulls you away from the present and then gently return to the present over and over again. Can you feel your hands, the sensations of the air on the surface of your skin?
Can you hear the sounds from outside the windows of the room you're in? And can you hear the gentle rhythm of the sounds of your breath?
Okay, everyone, that's good for tonight. Please get comfortable, feel free to stretch. So I just have a, I just um, have a few words, and then uh, I want to leave time for some conversation. Um, but uh, I want to share an email, share and then respond to an email that I got like two or three weeks ago. It was. Um, right after the class in which I discussed Tony Packer's text, Yearning for Completion. And, um, and uh, no need to revisit that whole conversation. But I remember, you know, one of the things that, um, that I was talking about and that we talked about in discussion afterwards was um, uh, the way in which, you know, we yearn for a sense of stability, um, a solidity, right? That's um, um, that we that it's um, we crave it. We kind of clutch forward. Sometimes we kind of grip it tightly. And part of the um, part of the reason that it feels so compelling to do that is because those moments when um, we don't feel that kind of sense of like, I know who I am. You know, like I. I know what I am, that when that solidity seems um, elusive, we can feel this uh, um, groundlessness, right? What, what's, what, what's the ground on which I'm standing, right? Um, and, uh, and that can be um, uh, scary, disturbing, upsetting. Um, um, when we get more comfortable with it, it can change. It doesn't always feel scary, but it can. Um, and um, so uh, that evening um, after uh, that class, uh, someone wrote me this email and I just, I, it's, a, it's a wonderful email. And I just wanna kind of respond to um, some of the feelings and thoughts that were are conveyed in it. So, um, it, it's, it reads like this, Bernie. Oh, actually it was written the next day. I realized next morning, Bernie in thinking about last night's session, I was reminded of Henry James's story, the beast in the jungle, which I'm sure, you know, in that story, John Marcher essentially wastes his entire life waiting for some prodigious event, good or bad which he has convinced himself is his destiny. When you talk about the sensation of falling with no ground below, I say to myself, how come that stuff never happens to me? I've had a couple of experiences that maybe qualify when the most pedestrian of phenomena seems miraculous or when the most familiar of objects suddenly become vivid and animate, great stuff. But these experiences are short-lived. I spend most of my time trying to stay engaged with people 
and events rather than my thoughts in ways that seem positive, but certainly not transcendent. I know none of this will be news to you, but the great challenge is to keep on keeping on, ignoring the insistent voice that keeps asking, when is something going to happen? So I think it's a wonderful note, wonderful um, And I think, um, you know, the person who wrote it is so true, so right, that um, this sense that something spectacular is gonna happen, something transcendent, right? Is just a um, ready-made pitfall in spiritual practice. Uh, and like John Marcher in that James story, we can um, put off our life Right, thinking that something greater awaits us when actually like, the only special thing that ever is going to happen to us is the life we have now. Um, and of course, that's the tragic realization this character has. Like the very thing that would have made his life so special, he, he denied himself because he thought this can be it. It's got to be something more, right? Um, I was thinking, I wanted to speak to this. I think this, this issue is relevant at all stages of practice. But I think it actually, um, there's a kind of special poignancy and, and um, hmm, what's the right word? Difficulty. I think it poses for people who've been sitting for a long time. <laughs> um, you know, where, uh, so like there, there's definitely this kind of like, you know, oh, something special is going to happen. This is, of course, I think why we all come to practice, most of us. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit to that, you know. Um, and um, I literally thought in the early days, it would just be like a, like, um, and this is how crude my thinking was. It would, it would literally be just a non-chemical version of like LSD or something, you know. Um, and uh, and it, didn't, it didn't take me long at the sensor to realize that was not going <laughs> to, that was not how it was. Um, but um but uh, I think when you've been sitting for a few years, and some of us in this group have been sitting for decades, you know, um, there can still be this sense that emerges very powerfully sometimes once in a while, right? That, oh, um, why isn't something more special happening? You know, or when's that special thing going to happen? that thing that just really like um, knocks me off my feet, you know, takes my socks off. Um, and and like, like the person who wrote this email, I think there's, you know, you get, you get these experiences that are quite vivid and wonderful, but all experiences, are passing or impermanent, no matter what. Um, and you can be left in these moments where you're just going about daily life, trying, as this person said, to just not be lost in your thoughts and engage with the people around you with thoughtfulness and kindness. And, um, and you can wonder, like, kind of maybe it's just a voice in the back of your mind that just once in a while says, but isn't there more? Isn't there something more, right? Um, I think that um, 
the way that this person put this thought, wait, why doesn't stuff like that happen to me? You know, I think um, makes really clear that these kind of thoughts come less from a place of grasping and desire and more of a place of fear or anxiety. More like, um, is something wrong with me? Am I not doing this right? Um, you know, I think of the, I think there's probably fear and grasping that underlies this kind of thought at every stage of practice. But I think when we've devoted so much time to it, it can, you can start to wonder like, wait, am I not doing this right? Why? Um, And I think it's, um, we can get really sidetracked by these kinds of anxieties that come up, like trying to double down on our practice, become more intense as if there's something that needs to be corrected, you know, um, as if there is something different that needs to be done. When in fact, um, really what needs to be done it's just us noticing that these kinds of anxieties are coming up, these kinds of thoughts, these kinds of desires, and just coming back over and over again, the simplicity and ordinariness of the present moment, whatever it may look like, however it may be. Because that's the only place that we can live. That's the only life we have. There is nowhere else to go, you know. Um, and so um, when I wrote back to this person that next day, um, I actually just said, you clearly know exactly what you need to be doing. You know, you see that this thought comes up, but then you engage, right, with thoughtfulness and presence as much as you can muster with the people around you and try not to get lost in your thoughts. Um, and that there is nothing else that ever needs to be done. Um, but I think I just want to acknowledge that there is this kind of like, um, there's something profound, I think, about this kind of realization that we I think we have to have over and over again. I don't think it's one realization. And I don't, it's not a cognitive realization though. I think it can, it can also take shape in thought, but it's this one that like, we just don't have any other life, but this one to live, that there's nowhere else to go. Um, I, I don't know about all of you. I mean, I'm just so, um, I think we can have a lot, but there, I'm guessing there are a lot of different beliefs um, and different kinds of faiths represented in this space. But for me, I don't believe, um, I don't hold any faith in something coming after death, you know, 
Um, I'm not holding out for reincarnation. I'm not holding out for some kind of life after life after this life. And I think, um, and that doesn't seem to me like actually like a, a depressing or dark thought. It just makes it all the more like poignant and precious, like the time we have. And I think that um, every single moment that we spend thinking there's gotta be something more to this life than what we have is a moment where we're not actually living the only life that we can live. Um, so, um, So I think that um, these moments when we're pulled to wanting something transcendent or to thinking maybe we should be experiencing something transcendent um, are actually really good opportunities to really re-embrace moment after moment that like this is all we have. Um, and that this practice is constantly about returning to this the only thing we have. Um, and I think that is actually pretty special. Like, I don't think all the other bells and whistles, you know, the visions, the, all the other experiences that might or might not happen in the course of a particular practice life, um, as pleasant and fun as some of them can be, is actually nothing compared to this most basic, I think, um, experience, which is of just, the embeddedness in the ordinary. Um, and I think that, you know, in fact, having those kind of experiences, I think really run the risk of making someone feel like, oh, they're special. You know, there's like, oh, I've experienced something special. Um, when really actually this is all about, I think, um, really seeing clearly that like not only are, is none of us special, but like we don't need to be special, you know? Um, I love those lines in Ezra's text, um, what is her life about? Like no one special to be, like nowhere to go, nothing to do, right? Just being, you know? Um, and so um, I think I just wanted to like, say how much I appreciated this, this email because it reminded me of, I think, this very important dimension of practice and also why it's difficult because it's so natural to have these thoughts like, mm, maybe I'm missing something, maybe I'm not doing something right, you know? Um, but it reminded me to see those as opportunities to come back to this, like all we have, right? That's all, like what we're doing now was just about coming back, staying grounded in the present moment, right? For some of us, it might felt calm and peaceful. Some of us, it might not have, but all of us who are doing it at all were the only place we could be right now. Um, so anyway, thank you to the person who sent me this email. Um, and I think I just want to now leave a little bit of space for people to share their own sort of um, experiences of these doubts, these desires, and also just um, their own kind of, kind of remembrances or realizations that, you know, it's not about achieving something special, but, but coming back to 
just the ordinary, which is of course itself so profoundly special, um, the most special thing. So if anyone wants to share or I don't know, ask anything, um, please do. I want to say, I think it is very tempting um, when you go, when you, you enter these places that can sometimes feel like plateaus or just like you're steady, you know, it's like you're just practicing. Nothing particularly special is going on. And you start to wonder, like, maybe I need to do more. Maybe I need to push harder. Maybe I need to change the method I'm using, right? I think it's just, I, I, I really, I mean, I mean this, it's like a very deep temptation, right? To think that something's, I, I gotta get somewhere, <laughs> you know? It's all underwritten by this idea that we're going somewhere, right? And then of course, the thing to do is remember like, no, actually the place we're trying to get is right here. <laughs> you know, there is nowhere to go. Um, anything driven by a sense that we need to, we need to get somewhere else is leading us away, I think. Um, I mean, it all sounds so kind of basic, but it's just so hard to actually live by, you know, moment by moment. And it's interesting that um, it's a little bit like that. There's a practice I started going to out here in, in Phoenix with some really people from everywhere who meet together once a week. And yesterday we talked about, I spent the whole day yesterday for some, you know, retired ladies reason watching videos of Robert Frost reading his poetry and Fireflies in the Garden. And then I didn't know there was a movie made of that, which showed, and it's so interesting. It's like so often when we practice, I think of family or I think of old memories or things like that. And this movie is exactly about that. They took his poem and a whole movie that I saw yesterday was really amazing. We talked about it in practice last night, that it was just, visuals of a person whose life was doing what our minds do when we practice. It's thinking of himself as a child and two minutes later living his life in real life and walking around the woods and things like that. And I kept thinking of uh, the things that, that Robert Frost was saying about, you know, walking through the places up in, up in Bennington and all of that. And it was just, it's interesting that what we think about when we're, what we, your mind does to you when you're practicing mm -hmm. memories and people and all of that and then how you take yourself remind yourself to take you back mm -hmm. to the present or where you want to be or mm -hmm. and so it really it really is interesting that that really it visualized it for me yesterday it was really interesting so mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Thanks, Jane. Actually, I've never seen that film. It sounds interesting. I hadn't either. Yeah. It was just because when I looked up this poem, it, that popped yeah. up and it was just a visualization almost of what it would be like huh. cool. if what we do during meditation came true. The back and forth from memory to present. It was beautiful. Mm. So I don't know. But anyway. Thanks, Jane. Thank yeah, you. sure. Hi, Farnoosh. Hi. Was someone else going to say something? I thought I heard a mic. Oh. Go ahead, no, Mary. I was going to say hi. That memories uh, that, um, that you had are, that's part of the present. I mean, even if you're thinking of the past, you're still living in the present because you're analyzing it while you're reading that poem or watching that video. So I think that's great. <laughs> mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Farnoosh. Um, thank you so much. I, I just wanted to say that, you know, yes, it sounds so, it sounds so surprisingly simple that it is, it is just a practice of coming back to the present. Um, and yet, you know, at the same time, I feel like there's this, why I perhaps, where I get confused is like, what is the difference between kind of making effort? You know what I mean? Like, okay, like gathering the virya or the courage, the energy, like really pumping yourself up. Okay, I'm going to do this. Like kind of what's the difference between that? Sometimes it's hard to tell. And, you know, pushing myself to do more, you know, kind of like, how do you recognize right effort is hard for me. Um, I don't know if you, if others relate or if that makes sense, but I know that sometimes I feel like I see that message on the Han that says like, do not waste this life. And I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> I can't, I can't stop. <laughs> I'll be wasting my life. You know, and so I don't know. I get confused. I, I think that's well. It's one of the most difficult things in practice. Actually, is is finding right effort. Um, I totally agree. And I think the hard thing is that it, I think it it's like the balance between, you know, not too soft and not too hard, right? Um, that, you know, just that 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 sweet spot in the middle. Um, and uh, and I think, um, yeah, and I think it's like, I think what we have to accept is we're never gonna stay there. It's gonna be something that we're gonna keep moving in and out of one way. Sometimes we get too loose. We realize actually, I'm not just letting things be, I'm actually just like spacing out, <laughs> you know, um, to and actually I'm, I'm, too, I'm, I'm exerting too much willpower, too much force, right? Um, at, at least for me, it's just, it's a constant kind of like not constant. I don't use, but you know, it's a movement. It's a it's a feeling for that kind of right tension, yeah. And I and I, I one one way I, you know, it's like one one sort of um, 
way I like to think about this is the difference between willpower and like the willingness to be like, you can't force yourself to be in the present. It can't be a matter of willpower. It's like a, actually, it's like a willingness to be present. Um, and, um, and that's so that requires effort because it's so, it's the most natural thing in the world for us to distract ourselves and turn away from the present, right? Um, and yet, and so it does require a certain kind of discipline, you know, um, but it has to be a soft one, right? Um, and I think it's one of the reasons why for Nish, I'm so fond of sound as an anchor because I think it actually captures in practice the sense of like, um, you, if, you, if you just get lost in thought, you won't hear thoughts, you won't hear the sounds around you. And yet if you try too hard, then your ears get blocked up in a different way. Just the sheer effortfulness of trying to listen actively, right? Means you can't actually hear everything that's going on. So it's like, that's why I like that. It's for me, a way of feeling into that space of, of openness. But that's also alert. Yeah. Like Farnoosh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but you know, sometimes where you know, you're following the breath and of course at first it takes so much effort to stay on the breath, right? But then sometimes, you know, you get really like intimate with the breath and then you realize actually any effort to follow the breath will take you away from the breath, you know? Um, and I think that's, that, that's the same kind of like, as you go deeper, you realize what right effort is becomes clear and it just becomes like, you know, not, yeah, just that even trying pulls you away in a certain way, yeah. So it's nice, it's nice to have like the emails, it's nice to have people like saying things and asking questions. I realize, like, I just don't, I don't know. It's like, sometimes I feel inspired to say things just out of the blue. Um, but most of the time, like, anything that I feel like is worth saying is in response to someone else, you know. Um, it's just weird to just feel like, I don't know if I have stuff that, like, is worth giving to people. But I do just naturally feel like it's, I can be responsive, yeah. So thank you. Thank you to the person who wrote the email. Thank you to Farnoosh. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. So um, could we sit for a minute and then say goodnight and we reconvene in a week? So.
All right, everyone. Thank you. Good night. I look forward to seeing you next week. And if anyone has anything they'd like me to speak about or ask a question about, please send me an email. Um, I do. I do like speaking in that way as a response. Um, Thank you okay. so much. Appreciate it. Have a good week. Good night, Jean. Take care. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye bye.